You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, we're talking about Lazarus today. Surprise, John 11. Uh, Just a couple things. Those of you who are on the prayer email list, uh, and you all should be if you're not signed up, it's like, you know, just do it. Just click on the button. Uh, you saw the thing in my melanoma has popped up a new nodule on my lungs. It's in the last scan. The doctor is not concerned, so I am sort of not concerned. And uh, so I have more scans coming up at the end of June. But in the meantime, I have a fun time. Sherry and I were at Joy's wedding last Saturday, a week ago, and uh, our granddaughter. And uh, we got another one coming up, and we got a baptism of a grandson coming up, and I've not got any pictures of grandkids, which is really frustrating. Gosh. Oh, talk about discipline. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, th- when I think about stuff around here at the church, there is a lot of hard stuff going on here. Uh, uh, just a lot of things. But one of the things, if you're following Facebook or the prayer thing, you saw this. This is in the black sweater, Jen Ingram. She's our pastor of Children's Ministries. Jen, if you don't know her, she's, she's a, just an amazing woman. Really, really sensitive and really good with kids. And the woman in the middle is her mom, Carla. And if you're following Facebook or the prayer things, you know that Carla had a savage stroke here a few days ago. And it almost killed her. Uh, it, was, it was just really dicey. Uh, and when the news came that... Jen's mom had a stroke. When that came to Jen, what did Jen do? Hmm? She prayed. Yep. What else? Shout God to heal her. That's the prayer. Heal her, God. What else? State the obvious. She went to her. How can I help? And. Uh, I mean, this is what you do when somebody's in that bad shape. This is from a Facebook page. You go and hold her hand. Because initially, she was not able to communicate at all. And Jen could just feel her hand responding to Jen's touch. Now, the latest report is she, Carla, is a bit of a rascal and trying to make a break for it and can't quite get her legs to work quite right yet, but it's close. But, I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do, is you go and how can I help when you see somebody you love in trouble? Well, let's look at another story. It's called the story of Lazarus, John chapter 11, 1 through 45. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, that's the chapter 12 story. We already know it because we know the the stories. So the sister went, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So what should he do? Go to him. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. 
But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus added, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the light will not stumble, but they will see the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on and said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going to go wake him up. His disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciple thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary, to comfort them at the loss of their brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, she stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe that? Yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and said, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews heard had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place that Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her weeping also, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, could he not who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you, you've heard me. I knew you always hear me. I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. It's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. It's a powerful word, but it's a perplexing story. 
and wants to just kind of live in the story. Now, what's the end of the story? What's the end of the story? He gets alive. Yeah, who? Lazarus. Lazarus. And why does he come alive? Jesus, Jesus said, come out. Well, now we know the end. Forget that. Okay, take it out of your brain and stick it back on the chair somewhere. Let's look at some geography because it helps. We just saw Jesus in his confrontation around the Feast of Dedication, chapter 9, 8. Chapter 9, the healing of the blind man. Chapter 10, the interaction there. And the Jews were out to kill him. That all happened there in Jerusalem. And because they were trying to kill him, Jesus got out of town over to Bethany beyond the Jordan. That's where John had been baptizing back in chapter 1. So he went over there. Now, if you can see the scale down there, how far is it from Jerusalem to Bethany across the Jordan? It's about 40 miles. How long does it take to walk 40 miles? A couple days. I mean, if, you, if you're a marathon runner, ultra-marathon runner, you can die doing it like you're all should do, not doing that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a ways. It's a couple of days' walk. So when he hears the news and eventually goes back to Jerusalem, raises Lazarus, and as we'll see in Jay's sermon next week, that makes the, his foes even more angry, and they're absolutely committed to killing him. And there's a place called Ephraim, and Jesus heads out there. Jesus cannot stay in Jerusalem because his foes are absolutely committed to killing him. But he comes back into this extremely dangerous place because Lazarus is sick. So look at the story. Is it okay for Jesus to love two women? Is it okay for Jesus to love two women? You sure? Say yes. Yeah, okay, good. And Lazarus too. I mean, he loved people, but it's, these are people that he loves. So Lazarus there, he stayed. Now, what did Jen Ingram do when she heard that her mom, Carla, was, had a stroke? What did she do? She went to him. What does Jesus do? No. Lazarus, whom he loves, is Marlil. He stays away. Like, no. No, no, no. Jesus, that's wrong. You don't stay away when you know somebody's in trouble. You're Jesus. You go to them. And we look at this. Begin at verse 6 there, it has the word so. The phrase in Greek there is a therefore word, which makes it even more strong. He loved Mary and his sister and Lazarus. Therefore, because he loved them, he stayed away. Like, do you get this? Do you get this? No. This is not Right. I know you're saying, hey, come on, Gary, I know you're playing games. I'm not. This is not right. It's not what you do. When somebody you love is bad trouble, you and you're Jesus, you go to them. Amen. Except he doesn't. He leaves Mary and Martha and Mary, whom he loves, alone. 
as her brother is mortally ill. Compassion? No. Don't even give a rip. A little later in the story, told him, play, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad that you may believe. Then Thomas, one of the disciples, said, let us go also that we may die with him. Now, in narrative, when you're reading narrative, put yourself in the story. What's the expression on faces? What's that guy over there doing? What's the tone of the voice? So, what's the tone of T Thomas's voice? Let us also go that we may die with him. It's not like that. So how would it be? All right, let us go. Come on, it's about time. Yeah. Possible. What's another possibility? Yelling. Screaming. That's still angry. Hmm? Let, I'm going with Jesus. Wherever he goes, I go. We're disciples. Come on, guys. And if we die, we die. That's, we follow wherever you go. Was, oh, man. We're, we're, we're going to die? You know, you, and that's the thing. As you read the story, you try to figure out what is the tone of voice. That's what you do in narrative. Now, I'm inclined to think they do it with resolve. I think he says, okay, Jesus is going. We're going too. And if we die, we die because we're with him. I think that's the tone. The disciples are headed to what goes in the blank? What goes in the blank? Disciples are headed to what? To die. Because they've already seen the murderous intent of the Jews. They've already gotten out of Dodge because of that. <coughs> Lazarus is dead, so finally, finally, Jesus goes to Bethany. Now, I, I don't know what you think should go in that blank up at the top. I'll tell you what I think should go in that blank. Jesus relating to this whole story, Jesus is disappointing. This is disappointment. The news comes that Lazarus is mortally ill. He loves Lazarus. He loves Martha and Mary. And he stays away. And the disciples are confused. I'm sure the people back in Jerusalem and Bethany were confused. Does Jesus ever disappoint you? Absolutely he does. It's right here. Absolutely he does. Jesus does not meet our expectations many times. And we're left saying, what in the world is going on here? Jesus, I read your book. This is a promise you made. Why aren't you keeping it? That's the story. See, and we want to put a nice, white, fuzzy, foamy thing over the top of it and take away what the story is saying. Jesus is disappointing everybody. Now, what's the end of the story? Hang that out for just a minute. What's the end of the story? What's the end of the story? Lazarus is raised. Again, put it away. Jesus is up to something. But at this point, disappointment reigns. And I'm speaking to real life. I'm so tired of people with a platitude. Oh, Jesus, he, he meets my every need. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. 
There's the story. Now, he's up to something, to be sure. But don't overlook the disappointment. That's why half the psalms are psalms of lament. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? It's what we do when it seems like God is failing. It's what we do when we feel the disappointment. That's what the story is helping us understand and how Jesus relates to it. When you gloss it over with platitudes, oh, Jesus never disappoints. You're denying what Scripture says, seems to me. So what happens? Martha. Now, this is the same Martha and Mary from the story in Luke. When Martha, remember what she was trying to do? She was trying to get the scones ready and the coffee was really good and she had five different kinds of coffee just like we do here and, uh, you know, four different teas and herbal and green and decaf and all that sort of stuff. And she's trying to get all this stuff together. What's Mary doing? Nothing. She's sitting at Jesus' feet flaking out and she's ticked. Jesus is like, tell Mary to come help me. What does Jesus say? She's doing the better thing. You're doing a good stuff thing too, but don't, don't get a hassle with Mary. She's doing a good thing. Same couple. So here's Mary, or sorry, Martha. She's the one who's out trying to get the refreshments ready. What does she do? To, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Very different people. Here's what she says. Lord, she said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would have died. What's the tone of voice? Accusing? You failed me, Jesus. Disappointed? Probably. Still faith. You could have done something. The Jews say the same thing when the Lazarus is dead. If he could open blind eyes, why couldn't he keep this guy alive? This is a disappointment. There's a faith piece there, but it's basically disappointing. What's the next thing she says? I know that God will still do what you ask. We heard that same thing back in the wedding at Cana. When Jesus came to his, or Mary's, the mother of Jesus came to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. He said, why are you talking to me about that? You know, I'm not the wine steward. And then she turned to the servant, do whatever he tells you to do. This is a statement of Faith. And so what we see happening here, Mary is the active one. She goes out to meet Jesus. And then when she gets there, she's standing up, talking to him, and confessing with her mouth disappointment and faith at the same time. I'm so disappointed that you are not here. And my brother's dead. But, and at the same time, God will do what you say. See, and that's the reality of Christian life. Don't gloss over the disappointment, but don't get lost in it either, is what we're saying. So she has love for Jesus, and I think it's helpful to see she has a tenacious faith into the person of Jesus we've been emphasizing. It's not just cognitive faith in, it's loyal faith and trust into the very life of Jesus tenaciously. In today's world, a bit of disappointment and we go deconstruction route and dump the whole faith and wash it down the the drain. No, this is tenacious faith, says God, uh, Jesus, 
I'm here, I'm with you. The picture, it's there. Jesus said, Lord, if you'd been here, and Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Her response is, yeah, I know. He'll resurrect in the last day, that's Daniel chapter 12. Now, she's one of the conservative Jews, the liberal Jews, the Sadducees, like liberals today, don't believe in that. But she does. I know he'll rise again. Again, faith. And that's future faith. He will, in the last day, rise again. See, that's future faith. That's death will not have the last word, because Lazarus will rise up future faith but see that's not enough that's not enough Jesus continues the interaction I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live whoever lives by believing me will never die do you believe this and what he's saying do you believe this when he says that he's challenger and she's saying yeah I believe you are the Messiah the son of God who's come into the world. Now let's look at her. Again, we're focusing on Martha here. She's standing and confessing. You're the Messiah, and that means you're the anointed deliverer. And in your notes, there are some passages to look at. I won't take time to go in now. Mad at that clock back there. It's going way too fast. She knows the scripture. She knows it well. You are the Messiah. I'll do this next one, because in Daniel chapter 7, in my vision it looked like, and there before we went like a son of man, a human, coming with the clouds of heaven, and he approached the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, and led into presence. He's given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. Now, who gets worshipped in heaven? Who gets worshipped in heaven? God does. How about Michael the Archangel? Yes. Does Michael the Archangel get worshipped in heaven? Yes. No. No, he's an angel. He's not God. This one is worshipped by all people means he's what? This is the divine son of God. Now in a real sense, we're sons of God too. But he's a whole different kind. As sons were inheritors, that's not a gendered statement, that's an inheritor statement. He's the divine son of God, is what she's saying. But she's not done yet. Psalm chapter 2. I'll proclaim the Lord's decree, and this is what the Lord said. He said to me, you're my son. There's that son piece. Today I become your father. Ask, I'll give the nations your inheritance, the earth your possession. You will break them in a, with a rod of iron. You will dash them in pieces like pottery. What is the sun going to do to the nations? Dash them like pottery. So we see here, this divine son of God will conquer the enemies. That's what she's saying. You're that one. You are the one who has come into the world. You are the promised one. And I've got, again, there are some scripture references in your notes. She's saying this as present faith. See, future faith, last day you'll be raised. Present faith, you standing in front of me, you are Messiah, Son of God, one who's come. 
And what's happening here is Jesus is bringing the death of Lazarus, reality, but he's bringing his own person into that reality. Not denying the agony of death, but bringing his own person into there as the Messiah. Jesus said to her, I am. Those of you have been around here, what's the significance of that phrase? What's the I am? That's God's name, Exodus chapter 3. I am resurrection. I am the life. Now let's look at those. I am. That's the very divine name of God, and he's claiming it for himself. That got him stoned back in chapter 10. That's why he's over in Bethany across. He's come back into Jerusalem, the place of mortal danger, because he loves Lazarus. He is the resurrection. And we see resurrection, this means all believers will enjoy full life in the new earth. That's what he's saying. That's future faith. There will come a day when we'll be resurrected and we will be fully life of God in the new earth. We'll have an anticipation of that in the millennium, but the fullness will come in the new earth. But that didn't stop there. I am the resurrection and the life. That living relationship with the triune God is begun in the present. See, the trick is to take future faith and heavenly faith into present faith in this world where death happens. Faith is what Jesus is teaching us. So we say here, and this is important, only Jesus can give this life. Why? Because only Jesus is Messiah, Son of God, the promised one. He's unique in all of history. That sounds awfully narrow to me. Man, the qualifications are high. Only one guy can get there. You want to be qualified for that? Good luck. I know some people think they're God, but eh, maybe not so much. That's who Jesus is. So that's a question. The bottom line. Do you believe this? That's for Mary and saying, bring your future faith into the present and live by it. For Martha. Called her sister Mary. Teachers here, he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly. And what we see here, Mary's called by Jesus and Martha because she is lost in her grief. She's the one who sits to the faith of Jesus. She's the contemplative. She's the passionate one. And the grief is overwhelming. She's slammed with her grief. And Jesus calls her the one who's lost in her grief. And what happened is Jesus' call works a resurrection in her because she gets up quickly. That's a resurrection. And the interesting thing is, when Jesus is going to be crucified, just soon now, it's we're close to the Passover in the story, is Mary will be one of the women that will go to his tomb to anoint his body and discover that he is risen. And the angel will say, go tell the disciples he is risen. That same Mary has begun her resurrection here and will be present at the resurrection of Jesus. She reached the place, saw him, fell at his feet. So where Martha is standing and talking, she's fallen at his feet. 
Lord, have you been here? My, and the emphasis is my brother. The relational thing is strong. Jesus saw her weeping. One's along with her is also weeping. Jesus, she falls at his feet and confesses disappointment and faith together. Same thing Martha does, but does in a very different way. Martha's standing and talking and confessing. She's falling to his feet and weeping her eyes out. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping. The Jews along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved. Now, this is a double meaning word. John loves him. He's hurting like crazy. And he is angry at the reality of death. They're both there in that word. He is deeply compassionate and hurting because of the agony of death and angry at the reality of death because that's his real enemy. And he's troubled. Where have you laid him? Come see, Lord. And Jesus wept. Where have you laid him? He wept. So look at this. Jesus, deeply moved, troubled, is a man of deep, deep, deep passions. Why does he ask, where have you buried? Where is he buried? Why does Jesus ask that? Isn't he God? Does he know everything? The answer is no, he's not God, period. He's the word come in the flesh. I think he's laid aside the use of his things like omniscience. He's laid aside the use of those things and he lives as a perfectly spirit-filled human on the mission of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit didn't tell him where Lazarus is buried. So he asks. And he weeps. But he didn't stop there. He comes, take away the stone, he commands. And what do the people say? Uh, Lord, like it's been four days, he stinketh. The King James gets it right there. When I was in the Philippines teaching a faith academy, we had a tricycle driver. That's a motorcycle with a sidecar. We had a tricycle driver who had been robbed and killed. And we saw some going on down lower on the hill from where Faith was. So I didn't know what was going on. I got on my motorcycle to go check it out. The body was there. And I was probably 50 yards away from that body as they carried it out because I didn't know what it was. It was kind of jungly. And I got the smell of a several-day dead man. And I guarantee you, it stinketh bad. That's what they're saying. Jesus, he stinketh. Jesus commands, and they say, I don't think it's a good idea. And he, he looks up and he prays. Jesus active and doing good in the midst of the disappointing situation. That's, that's the pattern. And he says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> so what did Lazarus do? Amen. Now, did he levitate out? Because no. he's wrapped up in cloths. Does he hop out? Does he kick his foot free and kind of... We don't know, but you can imagine it. It's kind of fun. What did the people think when they saw Lazarus come out of that tomb? This does not happen. 
Did he stink? I don't know. There's a lot to think about there. <laughs> Take off the grave clothes. Many believe because of that miracle. When I look at Martha, when I look at Martha, I see, well, she's the, she's the doer. She's the thinker. She's the action person. She's the let's get it done person. I love that woman. We resonate. Make it happen. She has an active, initiating faith. She gets up and goes to find Jesus. That's just who she is. Martha, if, Mary, if Martha is the doer thinker, Mary has a contemplative receptive faith. She's the feeler, pondering person. Which one is more godly? Mary. The answer is they're both godly. See, we almost inevitably put a judgment on somebody's personality is different than ours. Well, I mean, if they're like me, they'd be a way better Christian. Stop it. Stop. Now, there's sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about personality differences and ways of doing things. These are two very different women, and Jesus goes to both of them. And when he goes to Martha, the doer, the, think, the ponderer, the thinker, is profound theology to deepen her faith. It's some of those profound theology in the whole book of John. He speaks to her while Lazarus is dead, and she receives it because she's Martha. She's the doer. She's a thinker. She's the make-it-happen woman. But to Mary, who's the passionate feeler, then he gives profound compassion to deepen and focus her passions. He weeps with her. Martha needs a thinker. Mary needs a feeler. Jesus is both. Don't judge the person that's different than you. Help them do their thing better. That's for us as well. Who's that? Woody Allen. When he thinks about death, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> he says with humor, but he's, there's a reality behind that. Because it got on this same essay that he wrote to say, Death is absolutely stupefying in its terror, and it renders anyone's accomplishments meaningless. See, Woody Allen's an atheist. And see, if there's not a God like the God of Scripture, that's what you're stuck with. That's what death means. Death means everything you did ends. I still remember in White, uh, Spring Branch Church of the Brethren, place where I'll be gathered to my father's. There's a gravestone there. My uncle Truman was still alive. And I was with him there one day. And there was a tomb there. It had a name and it was a Brashear's name. There are a lot of Brashears in that. Because it's in Brashears Valley. And belonging it said, gone but not forgotten. And I said, Truman, who is that? What did he say? I don't know. <laughs> Death is the destroyer. If you're Woody Allen. If you hang with this guy, what's Jesus' phrase? I'm the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. 
And to be a part of his life, all you have to do is say, I need you, Jesus. I got a lot of sin and shame, a lot of fear. I need to talk to you about it. And Jesus respond to you as the way you are. Worship team, we're going to sing here in just a minute. He meets our deepest needs by giving us freedom from the devastation of sin. I'm involved in a situation right now where there's sin going on and it's absolutely destroying a person I love's life. Absolutely destroying it. And I can't tell you details of it. It's agony. So want sin to be gone. Jesus is the one who gives freedom for the devastation of sin. Now, forgiveness, yeah. Taking away the shame, yeah. That's what he does. He also gives freedom to the destruction of death. Oh, we go through death and it can be awful. Very, very difficult. But that's what we do with these tables here in a little bit, is think about what the power of death destroyed can be. This is a summary of the gospel from Paul. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Resurrection life is what goes in that blank? Resurrection life is what? Resurrection life is now. Yeah, you've been paying attention. Good for you. As well as future. Mm -hmm. And that's what we celebrate in the table here with these elements that represent the body and blood of Jesus. We celebrate that reality that we can practice bringing our faith into the now. But the way we do it is we look to the past, what Jesus did in his life, death, resurrection, and exaltation. The Holy Spirit brings into the present so we can look to the future. And that's the question. Do you believe this? So what we're going to do is we're going to, we've got the tables here, communion servers, come on up. I, these simple elements, we invite you to come forward and uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, come and have a meal with your Savior. Some of you say, I'm not quite sure where I stand with this Jesus guy yet, but I'm intrigued. Come have a meal with Jesus. I don't like this Jesus. I'm here because my mom made me come. Then maybe you don't need to come. <laughs> maybe you do. I don't know. But see, this is a have a meal with Jesus to help us make faith real in the now. So come and join in with that meal. Just a few days after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was going to come back for Passover to be crucified and be resurrected. And at that Passover meal with his disciples before he was going to go through the agony of a horrible death, he took some bread from the Passover table and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, eat the body of Christ. Later in that same meal, the third cup, the third of, cup of redemption. He took it and gave it whole new meaning. He held it up and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, symbolizing the life that will be poured out on us through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming to indwell and unify and empower us. This is the blood of the new covenant 
drink in remembrance of him. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for showing us how to live, for raising Lazarus, loving Martha and Mary, for dying for us so we can have your forgiveness, taking our shame and fear, giving us the Holy Spirit, giving us new life, triumphing over the decisive victory over the devil. We celebrate you with this meal together. I'm not, am I the only one who loves to watch the kids dance out here to the music? I mean, this is so good. Sailor Grace, get down here and dance. Yeah. It's just so good to be here and celebrate. And when you're in disappointment, what do you do? No, you don't dance. You're, you're lost in grief. You're lost in grief, maybe. You talk to Jesus. Isn't he even mad at you for being disappointed? No. No. Now, if Jesus isn't around, who can you talk to? Any of us badgy people, and there are a lot of people who don't have badges that are badgy people, talk to somebody else, and they'll validate your feelings, even if the feelings are factually wrong. Come on up here. Yeah. What happens if you're like me and you have an excess of hope? And somebody is disappointed, what do you do? You lend them your hope. Don't lend it, give it. How do you do that? Well, Jesus shows different people need different ways. Sometimes you go with deep theology. Sometimes you just stand and cry. Or if you're like me and can't cry, you can sure be passionate. That's what we're talking about as the body of Christ. And the alternative is Woody Allen. It really is. Either connect with Jesus or you're connected with Woody Allen and the hopelessness and the devil. We have an incredible hope yes, through Jesus Christ. We don't have to be ashamed of it. Amen. Ever. Father, thank you for loving us so much. And even when we absolutely do not get you, and that's certainly true, We'll be tenaciously loyal to you because you are the God who sent Jesus to show us how to live and died for our sins, taking our shame, our fear, our disgrace, our dirtiness, so we can have his honor and his life and his forgiveness and his, the Holy Spirit poured out on us. Holy Spirit, show us those places where we still need to grow and how we can be together in the body and all the diversity it represents, and we will take that message to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.